Section 12 of Four Science Fiction Novellas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Four Science Fiction Novellas by Harl Vincent. The Copper Clad World. Chapter 12. The Last of Antrid. Tommy was running beside him now, and Yulana not far behind. They, too, had seen the danger. If they could not reach the vessel ahead of the Lota, would not fight them off and gain possession, it was all off. They'd die here, horribly on the roof of Antrid. And the ray pistols were useless. They could not be fired inside the ballooning fabric of their suits without destroying it and themselves. There were only the hooks that were attached to the bulging sleeves, iron hooks for lifting, but these were heavy and sharp-pointed. They might be of some use at that. Once they were completely blinded by a deluge of ice particles, Blaine could see neither the RX-8 nor the waddling figures of the Lota. He clung to his companions by means of the hooks, interlocking his with theirs, and waited for the storm to ease off. If ever it would. Pressing the thick glass window of his helmet against that of Yulana's, he saw that her eyes were wide with terror. But she smiled bravely and nodded encouragement. What a girl! There was a momentary clearing a little way from the white wall, and he saw the hull of the ship, a dim shape that loomed suddenly distinct and near. They dashed for the open port, still holding together. One of the bulging, helmeted Loda had reached the port and was scrambling inside. Blaine loosed himself and pounced on him, swinging one of his hooks in a sweeping, clawing arc. It caught in the fabric of the fellow's suit, ripping a foot-long slit. Like a punctured balloon, it deflated and became a shriveled, clinging thing. The lot hung there over the rim of the port, instantly suffocated and frozen stiff in the vacuum and intense cold of space as the air and heat of the suit was dissipated. Blaine dragged the rigid body from the opening and flung it to the white powdered copper surface. Wheeling, he saw that another of the Loda had engaged Tommy. Two of them, in fact. There were three swollen figures in that mix-up. And the fourth was advancing on a smaller figure that turned and ran. Yulana! In a flash he was after them. Tom Farley would have to look out for himself, poor devil. With two of them against him, the outcome was dubious. And then came a second snow-like deluge of white particles. He stumbled on, groping blindly, slipping, sliding in the precarious footing. It was ankle-deep now, that powdery carpet of ice particles. Oh, God, if that lot devil got you, Lana! He groaned aloud, a hideous, mournful echo in the confines of the helmet. Groping, staggering there in the white silence, he gave up hope. The white-carpeted shell of Antred heaving mightily from the force of some new concussion within, and through Blaine scrambling. Crawling now, feeling his way over the shuddering surface, he saw a dim huddled mass there in the pelting rain of ice. Moving it was, two bloated figures, one large and one small, rolling over and over, Yulana and the lot who had chased her. He was there in one mad scramble and dragged the fellow from her, was astride the rubber-inflated covering, clawing and tearing. 
the thing collapsed and went flat between his knees he saw the mist of moisture laden escaping air felt the quick swelling and the jarring collapse as internal organs exploded from the atmospheric pressure inside the brute's body nauseated he crawled away from the dead grotesque-looking figure Yulana was on her knees endeavoring to get to her feet she had not been harmed thanks to his good fortune in finding them but where was the rx-8 in the awful white silence broken only by the eerie patter of the ice particles on helmets and fabric all sense of direction was lost through the double thickness of helmet lenses he looked into Yulana's eyes for the last time he thought and then the white shroud lifted once more the ship was there not a hundred yards distant tommy still battled one of the lota desperately circling the wary grotesquely bobbing figure and swinging those terrible slashing hooks the other was down almost covered with white out of the picture that one but the remaining lot was giving his friend a tough time of it with the girl clinging to him their arms hooked fast he scuttled over the treacherous ice-powdered copper he had to get there quickly and help tom farley slipped and fell heavily the lot was on him in a flash and they struggled madly there in splashings of white that hid them from view for a moment then one of them was up and the other lay still a surprisingly shrunken and motionless figure the victor was coming at him then bloated arms lashing out in swift vicious circles he had got tommy the damn swine blaine met his rush with a flying tackle that brought him down crashing he lay still the devil knocked out probably by the metal helmet contacting with his skull with arm poised for that slashing swing that would have sent him into eternity blaine peered through the lens of his helmet his heart stopped beating, and the upraised arm fell limp. This was no lot. It was Tom Farley. Good Lord, he would have killed him in another second. He tried to shake him, to bring him to. But he couldn't get hold of the bulging suit anywhere without danger of slashing it with one of those hooks. What if that fall had been fatal? Yulana was at his side now, and he stared at her, white-faced, trembling in his uncertainty and horror. And then Tommy opened his eyes. They saw him shake his head to clear it, and then he, too, stared in horror. How close a call! Friend killing friend! Out here in the airless cold on the shivering shell of the dying alien world! They helped him to his feet and through the entrance manhole. His mind a-whirl with emotion— Blaine saw that Yulana was inside and then followed as in a dream. He bolted the outer cover and turned the valve that would admit air to the lock. Soon they would be inside. With their protecting coverings discarded, there would be the fresh air of the interior, light, warmth. Safety for Yulana. Away from the copper-clad world, they'd be on their way home. A little later... Blaine Carson sat at the controls of the RX-8, Yulana at his side. Tommy was below, polishing and oiling and fondling his beloved machines. The surface of Antrid was visible through the viewing port, twenty miles beneath them and receding rapidly. Swinging in its new orbit, 
Antred was gasping its last. Over there, a few miles to the east, there spouted a column of white vapor that rose from a heaped-up crater of ice, which extended in a circle now many miles in diameter. Heavily laden with moisture as it was, the artificial atmosphere of Antred provided a vast storm of frozen particles as it escaped into the absolute zero of space. For many days this would continue, and the pressure within would drop gradually down, down, until the air was so rare it would no longer sustain life. And there was no hope of repairing the break, the mountain of ice preventing getting at it from outside, and the rush of air from within made the handling of patch plates and brazing torches impossible. Besides, an area of supporting columns of more than a mile diameter had been wrecked by the blast of the rocket tube. It would require an earth year to make such a repair, even if they could retain that atmosphere. Antred was done for, this time. Abruptly, Blaine turned his head from the port and gave his attention to the controls. The RX-8 pointed her nose upward, away from this terrible world of disaster and death, homeward bound. With a tremendous blast from the stern rocket tubes, she headed swiftly into the heavens. A thousand miles, five, ten, they shot into space with ever-increasing acceleration. And then a blazing orb was visible off to one side of the swiftly receding globe that was antred. Through the floor ports it shone, casting cheerful rays upward to the ceiling where they made a patchwork pattern of the gleaming metal. The sun, Ulana breathed in awe. I've, I've never seen it, my Carson. It is most beautiful. He drew her to him tenderly. You'll see it every day, dear, he whispered, when we're home. Home, a wonderful thought. He had not hoped to see it again. Hadn't dared to since Ontaro showed his hand back there in the asteroid belt. And now it was a reality. He was going home, and with him he was taking Yulana. You, you think they will approve of me? She was saying as he sent blasts from the steering rockets to swing them around on a new course sunward. Your people, I mean. They will approve of your choice, my Carson? Anxiety showed in her wide-eyed gaze as she drew closer as if fearful of losing him. If only she knew, if only he had the words to tell her. Approve of you, he said huskily. Lord, girl, they'll love you. But not as I love you. It is the biggest thing. Tommy's discreet cough came from the head of the companionway. Blaine turned to glare savagely. His friend was standing there, grinning like an idiot and extending a paper-wrapped package. "'Look!' he exclaimed guilelessly. "'Cigarettes! I found them! A whole carton!' "'Well, I'll be damned!' Blaine exploded, careful that he spoke in English. "'All you think of, all you've talked about since we left the vessel, is your hankering for a cigarette. For God's sake, get out of here and go smoke yourself to death!' But Tommy was advancing, still grinning, still extending the package. "'Come on, old kid, have one,' he insisted. "'It'll do you good. Quiet your nerves.' And his friend dropped a tantalizing eyelid. In spite of his annoyance, Blaine was forced to laugh. "'Oh, all right,' he said, reaching for the package of smokes. 
I'll take one, just to please you. But beat it, then, will you? Swaggering as he went and casting knowing glances over his shoulder, he was gone. Great little Irishman, Tommy, always smiling, always there in a pinch, never worried. He was the best friend a man could have. They'd catch hell when they got back, for losing a part of their precious cargo. Those miserly K-metal people wouldn't give them credit for salvaging nine-tenths of the stuff. Luckily, only about a tenth had been removed by the Lota. They'd only cry about the amount that was lost. And Tom Farley would laugh it off, kid them out of it. Yulana was smiling as if she understood. She did understand. God bless her. She saw into this wonderful friendship and was glad. It was great to have a friend like that, and a girl like this. Hand in hand, they gazed into the heavens before them. To the girl it was a most marvelous sight, an omen of good fortune and of happiness to come. She nestled her head into the shoulder of the earthman as she watched, spellbound. For a long time the silence was broken only by the steady muffled purr of the stern rocket tubes. The aroma of cigarette smoke drifted up the companionway. Out there in the heavens was the sun, Mars, Earth, Venus. The dear old solar system was still intact, undisturbed excepting for the slight perturbation in the region of Jupiter. Blaine doubted if the influence was measurable in so far as changes in the motion of the inner planets were concerned. He turned the eyepiece of the telescope and swung the instrument around to bear on the Earth. A cool green crescent was there in the field of vision, the eastern coastline of the Americas outlined clear and distinct. "'Look, dear,' he whispered, "'home. Your new home is there, our home together.' She sighed happily as she gazed at the inviting sunlit outlines. Home, she repeated softly, reverently, with you, O oh my Carson, for all eternity. End of section 12